0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we're going to be talking about the Thunder's latest 10-day signings of Xavier Simpson and Georgios Kalatkis. what that means for them, and how they have performed to kind of get to this big stage. And to go along with it, guys, I'm going to be previewing three different games that will have some lottery implications that you guys probably want to follow along as we get into the final week of play. And we're going to wrap it up with a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. So going into the latest signings from the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is one of the greatest parts of covering the team for me because I watch not just the Thunder games, but also the Blue games and give give coverage on that, right? OKC has had tons of injuries this season. We're talking at some moments, they've had 10 plus people on the injury report. And Mark Dagnall was pretty firm on the stance that they were not interested in signing people off of hardship exceptions. They signed Lindy and Olivier in February, and they basically just stood their ground. You know, it didn't matter how many guys were dropping. As long as they could field eight, they were playing eight, and they were not going to go any further than that. For me personally, I'm not a big fan of it. From a business aspect, it makes sense. Now, the money's not a concern because Oklahoma City has to hit the salary floor anyways— And they are well over $20 million below the floor right now. So it doesn't matter. Like financially, they're going to have to spread out some money. And that's that. The thing is, the way that I view it, at least from how they were handling things in the last month or so, was they weren't signing people to hardship deals because they felt that the current roster they have with the role players they have are the group competing for contracts on their roster. If they didn't feel like someone in the G League or someone elsewhere could contend for a roster spot, they weren't going to go throw out money and use up minutes when there's a guy like an Olivier Sar or like a Teo Maladone that they have some confidence in, they've seen some moments, but they really want to hone in on what their skills are and make some smart decisions over the offseason. The one issue, though, is when you do that, you are taking up potential opportunities or you're kind of hindering them, and from what I see, I mean the G League has been the hotbed for a ton of talent, not just this year, but the last year. You look at what we've seen. There have been so many diamonds in the rough. Moses Brown came from a two-way signee with the, I believe the Mavs, or excuse me, it was the Blazers. Then he joins the Thunder on a two-way, falls out, gets a contract, and now he's back on a two-way deal with the Cavs. It's been a really good time for him. Same goes with Omer Yurt seven. Those are two in-house guys that went from making not that much to making millions in the NBA over the last 365 days. And this is a story that spreads out past this. Look at guys such as O'Shea Brissett, Tyler Cook, Alizé Johnson. Like the the list runs rampant there. And it all starts from getting that first opportunity at the big stage lots of players have played well in the G League season. It's about breaking through and being able to perform. For the Oklahoma City Blue, they have had tons of success stories this season. DJ Wilson was playing at an MVP caliber level, and he was outperforming some of the assignees whenever they were down with the Blue this year. He was injured, but he got to play with the Raptors and. I'm almost certain had he not been injured, he'd be on a two-year contract with them right now because he was good on their initial deal uh, to kick things off. But multiple different players have been great. Melvin Frazier Jr., Jamias Ramsey. The list goes on. But because OKC was kind of locked in on their rotation to start the season and they have been as of late, they haven't looked into it. They've wanted to stick with their core, which makes sense yet again. But you have to look at the other side of it where it's like, these guys have been waiting and they have been balling out under your franchise, in some cases for two seasons. Finally got to see some rewards and some dreams come true today. Obviously, Jalen Horde got signed earlier in the week. He dropped 20 rebounds in his debut, but there's two new pickups and Xavier Simpson and Georgios Kalatakis. I want to start here first with Xavier Simpson, and I just want to say, he has been on the cusp of an NBA appearance for months, three months minimum here. He's finally getting his opportunity. If you were to tell me, out of all the G League players, who deserves that NBA nod, he has to be very high up on the list. He's played with the Blue organization the last two seasons, drafted seventh. In the 2020 G League draft. And he's been playing at a high level this entire time. As a rookie, he led the team in assists. This is when Ty Jerome was playing significant minutes, by the way. Simpson was the primary ball handler. He was a very good passer. And then this season, he continued it. Leads the team in assists yet again. But this time, he ramps up the scoring production and he does it in a big way. Averaged 14 and a half points. 5.1 rebounds and 6.7 assists in 35 regular season games this year with the blue and in his last 10 games he was a man on a mission finished it out averaging 21.7 points 7.2 rebounds and 7.4 assists second to last game of the year he drops his first career triple double He has a very good skill set. He was one of the most prestigious guys from the Michigan Wolverines prior to joining the Blue, was in the 1,000.500 assist club. Only four Wolverines have done that before, and he's tied for the winningest player in franchise history, only tied with uh, John Teske there, so he's in good company, but the way he has played has been a marvel to watch he's only six feet tall but the way that he navigates the floor he never really looks the part you know like obviously on camera he's a short guy he's able to elevate though because of his unique skill set and it starts with his sky hook when you look at the nba just in general how many guys are out there doing hook shots Basically just bigs. And the ones that they're doing are jump hooks. They're right around the basket. These guys are seven feet tall. There's about no flair to it. You know, you might as well call them a runner at some some stages here. Just go down in the post and get yours. You don't see any sky hooks anymore. Any old school, old fashioned, whatever you want to call it. They're just non-existent. You don't see them with guards in particular, and you sure as hell don't see them with guys that are six feet tall. Xavier Simpson has been the exception his entire playing career he's been known for his hook shot he got the nickname captain hook as a junior at michigan continued to just dominate at the collegiate level with it jumps over to the g league ranks kind of dabbled in his shot as a rookie but this year he has solidified the post hook in particular that right-handed sky hook into his game And it has not faltered playing against NBA level talent. I know it can be seen as like somewhat of a fad, right? You're going up against more athletic players, lengthier players. How is a six foot guy going to be able to get that shot off? It doesn't matter. Just know the end result has worked beautifully to this point. So I'm very intrigued on how that shot transitions over uh, to the NBA while he's under this contract. But I'm also curious how he just plays in general. He's always going to be the guy crossing it past the timeline. He is very fun to watch off a high ball screen, even without a high, balls, uh, high ball screen, like off an ISO. He's able to get you. He's very shifty as a ball handler, and once he drives inside, he can kill you with that hook shot, or he can just attack the basket. If he sees you kind of pressuring him off that hook, he'll, jar- he'll charge in, and he's going to create contact and try to score around the cup. Other than that, He's still a very good passer. He's going to understand if someone's open at a wing or corner. And even off of dump-off passes, he's shown that he's very good at those. Jalen Horde and him had a connection about a month ago because there was no center. DJ Wilson was out for the season. They didn't have any backup plan. Guys like Poku and Roby were already up with the big leagues. So Horde had to play the five. And Horde was setting ball screen after ball screen for Simpson. And it was beautiful. We'll see if we get some of that action tonight or in these next 10 games at all. I would love to see that happen though, because he has done a great job with him. He's done a great job really orchestrating the half court the last two years. And he has been in line folks. He actually was signed or he was lined up to sign a 10-day deal with OKC back in January. When you remember all the Thunder guys going on the hardship list or going under health and safety protocols, excuse me, four contracts were up for grabs. Simpson was in the initial report. You saw reports, articles, everything was surrounding it. And even Simpson himself on social media was like, quote tweeting and you know sharing it on his Instagram story. Like it was locked in. And then... He himself couldn't get past health and safety protocols, so they shut him down. He wasn't able to sign his contract, and none of the contracts were available by the time that the guys were healthy again, so he missed out on an NBA opportunity, and he's had to continue to climb. It took him three months of being arguably the best guy on the Oklahoma City Blue for him to get back to this point and he has earned every second of it. This isn't just him having a good season. It's not just him having two good seasons. He's been balling out really for the last 6 years. For Michigan, he's like a campus legend. Here, he's been one of the better point guards to come through the G League program. Even as a high schooler, he was torching up Ohio. You know Ohio, man. Like he had a 65-point game as a senior led uh, uh, his team to like a state championship as a freshman. He's got that winning DNA in him. I want to see him play tonight. I want to see him play a decent chunk of minutes here. From what I've seen at the G League level, he is a really good piece when it comes to driving around the basket, and he is a very good decision maker with the basketball in his hands. The two hiccups with Simpson, and this is really why I think he hasn't gotten the call up previously, is because he's not really a three-level scorer. He's able to kill you inside, mid-ranges. That's not really part of his game. But I really want to hone in on the three. He was not a three-point shooter in his rookie campaign. I don't even know if he clipped 30% that year. And in the 15 Winter Showcase games, he was not good from distance either. When you look at the Valley Vipers game back in December, this is the one that went to overtime... Final scores in like the 130s or something crazy like that. OKC was up 20 in the second quarter. The only reason Rio Grande got in the game was because they did not defend Xavier Simpson from three and he kept shooting and he kept missing. That trend kind of continued going into the start of the regular season, but he's trending in the right direction. Talking about the last 10 games he's played, he shot 19 of 44 from 3, that's 43.2%, and from the foul line, he's also been able to ramp up his production. In G League games, you only get one free throw on shooting fouls, unless it's in the back two minutes of a half. Normally, he missed some pretty crucial free throws. Now he's going to get two or three free each of these shots, and I'm curious how that changes his projections, but I think he could carve himself a role here he's 25 years old i don't know if the thunder will be in his future plans but if he wants to etch a role like a chase on randall or like an ish smith where you're a smart passer who's decent all around as a scorer i think he's in that breed this is where it starts for him he's gonna have four games to prove himself and my goodness it's great to see a story like this um, with someone who's been around okc's franchise for two years freaking years and with Georgios Kalatkis, you also are very happy for him now his story is a little bit different he was actually picked in the NBA draft and it was this last draft 2021 he was Mr. Irrelevant pick number 60 whatever you want to call it Milwaukee tacked him on and they actually kept him to start the regular season he played nine games in total for Milwaukee barely played like five minutes on average in those games. And then he got waived. And there was kind of a period where he wasn't going anywhere, signed a G League contract at the end of December, and then OKC scooped him off of waivers. He played 31 games for the Blue this year and averaged 10.1 points, 3.9 rebounds, and 2.1 assists. And with Kalatkis. He never really popped off the page. I'd say whenever he first joined the roster, there was a, a lot more of a following towards him, and because of it, you were really honed in on like his skill set. Every little positive, you were going to dissect it to its fullest degree, and there are some positives definitely there. He's a really good transition finisher. He's not the fastest, but he does have a nice gather, and then when it comes to cutting, he's also pretty advanced. His prototype, though, is being a defensive-oriented wing. He's got the frame for it. He's six foot seven, one hundred and ninety-two pounds, and has a six foot ten wingspan. He played at the two, played at the three. Whenever they were down really bad, I don't think he tapped in the four, but he very well could have snuck in there uh, for Grant Gibbs at some moments. But the main thing was he was utilized as a defensive glue guy, and he did a decent job. He wasn't going crazy on steals, blocks, anything like that. Just your standard fill-in. And offensively, he was just used to kind of attack the basket. And in transition, he is a smart finisher. The thing is, though, he's not able to shoot the basketball. And he's basically what OKC has drafted forever. You know, Sam Presti's been obsessed, and really in the mid-2010s, he was just obsessed with drafting these wings that had defensive ability, but they didn't have the complete package on offense, and they really didn't have much potential on offense either. Kalakis is like that. He's not a three-point shooter. He's never been a three-point shooter. This season, he shot 24.1% on triples. If teams elect to sag off on him, that's going to be the best course of action. It's kind of like Jalen Horde where If you add the three, then you're talking about him potentially breaking through to the next level. As of right now, he has to work on his shot to make it, but this is the best time to kind of use him. You know, This is the experimentation process, and he's going to be used. Horde's going to be used. Simpson's going to be used. I'm sure all of them are probably playing like 20 minutes in tonight's upcoming game, and with six games or six days left on the regular season, Kladkiss is sticking around, Simpson's sticking around, and Horde most likely is going to stick around for the conclusion of the regular season. As someone who's been covering the blue, these are the moments that you just adore. And it's not just with OKC, it's with any team, you know? Seeing these people work their tail off for a whole year, having to stay at the top of their bracket in terms of competition while not being paid that much, It's something, right? And for some of these guys, they'll dominate the entire year and they'll never get their opportunity. With what the Thunder had this year, I felt like these opportunities need to be, you know, kind of passed around. They finally got to it. The injury report's getting pretty tanked right now. They're going to have a 10-man rotation for the first time in a while. And I'm very stoked that three of them are coming directly from the Oklahoma City Blue I've talked about it all year. I'm very confident that that blue team, even though they only went 15 and 20, are very capable of playing good basketball. On paper, they're one of the better teams, and when they were feeling it this year, it was impossible to stop them. Now Simpson's going to be on a rotation that has true centers again. I'm stoked to see that. With Kalatkis, he'll have another chance at the NBA. And with Jalen, he's been in the NBA and with the Thunder for the last two seasons, so that match just ultimately works uh, in the end there, but yeah, those are the two new pickups, really going to be happy to cover them, and for you guys, be excited for Captain Hook, man, if there's a hook shot, Twitter is going to explode, I can assure you of that, I can also assure you there's going to be some big games tonight, big games tomorrow as well, I want to talk about those, but first, I want to let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook and the special offer they have going on for you all. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, they will have your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the nhl 21 plus age requirement restrictions apply see show notes for details moving along though guys i want to break down tonight's cut of games and the lottery implications tied to all of them you gotta look at the top four here for reverse standings orlando and houston have settled they're both at 20 and 59 on the year Three games to go, three-game gap between themselves and the Detroit Pistons at number three. Basically, they've locked up their lottery odds. It's more of who's going to have the chance to fall to five and who's going to have the chance to fall down to pick number six. Three and four are in their own tax bracket, basically. Detroit, they are three games behind at 23 and 56, and OKC is a half a game behind behind the pistons at 23 and 55 detroit's not playing tonight the other three teams are and you start out with the cleveland cavaliers facing the orlando magic cleveland will not have jared allen evan mobley or colin sexton and for orlando no cole anthony no window carter jalen suggs and franz Wagner are both questionable let's just say that they're both out for this sake Still going to give the edge to the Cavs here because they're going to have Darius Garland and Moses Brown is available. Now, Brown has actually been starting for the Cavs this last week because they just don't have anybody. When you're looking at who their backups would be right now, it's either Ed Davis or Kevin Love. Moses Brown's a better option for the center spot. And you can argue Kevin Love's a better player, not for the center. You know, Moses Brown's seven foot two. He's still super springy and he's been a really good role man for this Cleveland offense. I'm pretty positive he'll get a double-double in this game, and if Wendell is not available, oh yeah, put your money on it right now. Moses Brown has been very, very good these last three games, and it's because he's finally getting the opportunity again. Like He got passed around like a hot potato this offseason, went from OKC to Uh, boston boston sold him off to dallas for basically nothing he was just a salary filler and then it looked like he was the last guy to stay on their 15-man roster dallas didn't really use him they prioritized guys like kleba and dwight powell which is understandable gets cut and then he was just waiting cleveland gave him a chance 10-day deal played all right comes back again really good now he's dropping double-doubles again, where you're starting to see him just play wall-ball again on these offensive boards. I'm very happy to see that, and I hope we get to see him ball out. Ideally, Orlando wins this game, and then you can uh, add a little bit more to the lottery conversation. Same goes with Houston, though. And they're going to be playing against the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Houston will not have Dennis Schroeder or Christian Wood. Those are the two big departures. So they're going to have their big group. They still have Kevin Porter Jr. And they have Jalen Green. Green has been really good in terms of scoring points. Now, obviously, the shots are going to be there because a lot of guys are injured for them. But he's still getting his, his, you know, like 20, 30 points. KPJ's sort of similar. The efficiency has not been at the level they need to be at, though. And when facing a team like the Nets, who have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant available, you have to play damn near perfect. I'm going to say this. I think that one of KPJ or Jalen Green will have a very good night where we're going to be talking about it after this. But I don't know if it's going to put them over the edge. I'll say I think it'll be a more entertaining game than people will probably give it credit for. So that's one you watch. Still think Brooklyn wins, and Houston's going to stay in that top two in terms of seeding. Now we get to the big game. OKC versus Portland. It's gonna tip off at 7 p.m. Portland is on like one of the biggest losing streaks in the NBA they've lost seven games in a row and in reverse standings they're sixth they're two and a half games from number five and they are four games away from number four which is the Oklahoma City Thunder the Blazers still are not playing their guys right like nine people are on the injury report and now Brandon Williams is listed as questionable. And that might seem like, who cares about Brandon Williams? Well, Brandon Williams has been one of their best players with everybody out. In OKC's last game against the Blazers, he dropped 25 points and 12 assists in 41 minutes. He had to field a lot of the load, and he did a hell of a job. Almost gave Portland the win in that one. Ultimately, Isaiah Roby had to hit clutch shot after clutch shot and defeat them with his 30 piece. But yeah, that's a sneaky big blow to them if you get that up to 10. And then for the Thunder, they also have nine players out. And the rotation's going to be as follows. Teo and Vit are the one and two. Aaron Wiggins at the three. JRE at the four. Or excuse me, Alexei Pokushevsky at the four. And Isaiah Roby at the five. And the bench unit. It's going to be a lot of blue guys. Xavier Simpson and Georgios Kalatkis at the 1 and 2. Lindy Waters at the 3. Jeremiah Robinson Earl at the 4. And Olivier Saar at the 5. This lineup of Simpson, Kalatakis, Waters, and Saar. Most definitely happened. But it happened in like January. It's great to see them return. And it's really going to be fun. If those guys are all out there together. What the game plan is going to look like you know and how they're able to perform again because it's been a little bit since all four of them have been together because Lindy and Sar were kind of taken earlier into the regular season but you have to imagine they still got some of the playbook left and Dagnall has said it like the blue playbook and the thunder playbook really aren't that far off anyways so I think they can slide in and make an impact same goes with you know Jalen Horde who is going to be active for the game. So, shoot, you could get the entire G League squad out there at some stints, and I am all about it. We'll have to see how the minute distribution goes. If they want to go full try-hard on the tank, you're not playing Teo above 25 minutes. Poku's not playing above 25. I don't think that goes with Roby. Um, I'd say like 27, 28 minutes with him. And Wiggins, I wouldn't play him much jre is going to be on a minute restriction so basically you're going to see simpson rocking 25 26 minutes kiss is going to be in the 20s lindy might be up there sar i think that he should be playing 30 minutes ideally so forget about what i said on roby after a 24 point game i know people might be upset if he goes off but SAR's working for a contract here man you got to see if there really is something there or if that was just a one game fad He's been pretty good this year. I don't think you pull the plug after he wins you one game. I bet the Thunder walk-in is um, actually expected victors of the game. And this is what happened in the last game. They were a a two-and-a-half point favorite. They ended up winning by three. We'll see how this one transpires. It's going to be very action-packed, though. And if you're an OKC Blue fan, get your popcorn ready. This is probably the best game, best Thunder game of the year for you all. But that's going to do it for me today, guys. Expect to hear on these G League guys tomorrow, actual recap of it. Think Simpson might have a big game or at least a couple nice highlights. Same could go with Horde and Sar as well. But we'll see how it goes. Other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. And I will talk to you all next time. See ya.